The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. G'day everyone and welcome to, to the forum put on by City Bible Forum. We're into the second week of a new series called The Great Australian Dream. What we're doing is we're having a look at the Australian dream of money, which we looked at last week, holidays, which we're looking at today, lifestyle next week, and then house. We're seeing what the Bible has, has to say on these topics and what are the implications for us as city workers. Our speaker for this series is Al Stewart. If you don't know Al, let me tell you a few things about him. He worked in marketing before becoming a full-time Bible teacher. He's married with four adult children and a growing number of grandchildren, so you might say he has lots of life experience and he enjoys keeping fit. Well, today's topic is the land of the disappearing weekend. Why are we working as long and hard as we do? And where can we find rest? Are you feeling exhausted? Are you feeling tired? Hopefully today we'll have some answers for you. The format of our meeting is that Al will speak for about 20 minutes and then he will respond to your comments and questions. And you can send those in three ways. First is via text. And as we go through the PowerPoint, you'll see my mobile number on each slide, so please text me comments and questions and I'll pass them on to Al later. You can write a question on the slip of paper inside your program and we'll collect those up when the question time starts or once the question time starts, you can just put up your hand and I will come around with the roving mic. So please do ask comments and questions. Don't be shy. It's called the forum for that reason. And we'll be finished by about 1.50. Over to Al. Oh, good to see you here. As I look around, some of you may have had the joy uh, that I had uh, of going to university in the 70s. Uh, some of you may not have been born in the 70s, but uh, some of us got to go to university in the 70s. It was a, it was a great time to be there. Um, I went kind of mid-70s. The Whitlam government had just got rid of all university fees. Yahoo, so we didn't pay anything. Uh, universities were much more relaxed. There was a common lunch hour. You could sit in the sun, listen to bands. Occasionally we went to lectures. And one of the things we heard about in commerce lectures, it seems, it seems kind of ridiculous now, but one of the things that they were concerned about in the late 70s was this. Given technology and the way the technology was moving, what would we do with all our leisure time in, in the future? Because as technology came in, we'd have more and we could get our work done in fewer and fewer hours and how would we fill in our leisure time? Around that time, uh, a man called Ronald Conway wrote what was quite a famous book in the 70s, uh, The Land of the Long Weekend. Ronald Conway uh, died in 2009 in his 80s. Uh, he was a psychologist. I never actually read the book until, well, I began to read it. I tracked it down on eBay. Um, 
he's pretty cranky as he writes it. It's a critique of Australian society. Uh, he's particularly tough on Australian men, saying that we're shallow and not self-aware. I just thought, that can't be right. And uh, uh, basically, why did he pick that title? The title saying that we're kind of shallow hedonists. But I think if he wrote that book today, almost 40 years later, he wouldn't choose the title The Land of the Long Weekend because it's not true anymore. Uh, the National Film and Sound Archive have picked up this book and made a little documentary about it. Let me read you the, the blurb for the documentary. They say this, Australia was the first country in the world to institute the 40-hour working week. It was the first to say there's such a thing as a fair and reasonable wage. Conditions like these helped to win Australia its reputation as the mythical land of the long weekend. Yet today, for those with work, overtime has increased and penalty rates are disappearing. The nation's population is increasingly divided between the overworked and the underemployed. Now, now Australia is the land of the level playing field rather than the land of the long weekend. And when you look around and say, are we working more and more hours, there's... Uh, the statistics say different things. So I don't know if you noticed, a couple of weeks ago um, there was a report came out from the OECD comparing industrialised countries, and guess what? We are the happiest industrialised country in the world for the fourth year in a row. On, 11, on 10 out of 11 different indices, we've totally nailed it. The one that we missed out on was work-life balance, with people saying work interferes with their life something I hear my kids say fairly regularly. Uh, and then you, you see other people... So, for example, uh, one lady who writes about this quite a bit is uh, Professor Barbara Pocock. She's from the University of South Australia Centre for Work and Life. Now, we tried to get Professor Pocock uh, to come to the forum uh, last year, but found she was always on holidays. So, now, only joking, only joking. But she said a couple of years ago in response to another survey, here's something that she wrote... Now, almost three-quarters of business people in Australia surveyed, three-quarters of them said that they took work home at least once a week. If you work in a small business, half of those people are taking work home three times a week. Professor Pocock says, the picture is one of a lot of people affected by long hours and the spillover of work into home. Our research tells us that that spillover can be quite negative, especially when we consider that nearly one in two workers are now women who are trying to manage quite intensive care responsibilities as well as demanding jobs. Care suffers, work suffers, and the workplace suffers. So on one side you, say, you hear that. On another side, uh, I found... Um, Mark Wooden, uh, who uh, is from um, the University of Melbourne, wrote an article called um, Time After Time, The Myth That Australians Work Longer Hours Than Anybody Else. It's really a case of what angle do you want to watch the stats from? So what Mark Wooden says is this, average hours haven't changed over the last few decades, but what has happened is this, about 30% of Australian workers now work part-time and there's a big number work more than 50 hours. So 16% of Australian workers are working more than 50 hours. So it's kind of working in those two different directions. Um, so it depends on which kind of barrow you want to push or what your agenda is as to how you want to present the statistics. But one thing that is clear is that we are busily dismantling the weekend. 
Uh, we, we, the weekend is disappearing. Uh, so, for example, uh, the retail trade uh, survey by Monash University, 2012. Here's some interesting stats. Uh, the reason that retail, uh, Sunday retail trading is so important to, to retailers, uh, they'll do up to 25% of their business on Sunday alone. Um, it's not always profitable because of penalty rates, you know, double time for people who work on Sunday. And if, if given the option, a third of people who work in retail on Sundays would say no to the work, even with double time. It's penalty rates that have slowed down the dismantling of the weekend, but guess what? We're dismantling penalty rates. So I don't know if you noticed yesterday, uh, or they're talking about on the radio this morning, the full bench of the Fair Work Commission has, has reduced the penalty rates for people working in restaurants, cafes, etc. on Sundays, reduced it from 1.75 to 1.5. We're slowly but surely getting rid of penalty rates. The weekend is disappearing. I didn't realise how much it had disappeared until I had a little bit of a look. Uh, so the Social Policy Research Centre at the University of New South Wales, Professor Lynn Craig, uh, says this, weekend work has nearly trebled in the last 20 years, from 12% of people involved 20 years ago to 33% now. One in three workers works on the weekend. Half of all business owners, 42% of contractors and 30% of employees now spend their weekends in the workplace rather than at the beach or in the backyard. One in four workers is on call or standby as technology, this is her word, it's a good word, as technology contaminates leisure time with messages, uh, messages and emails from the boss. Professor Craig said weekend work was bad for family bonding, friendship and community ties. So that's the kind of picture you get. There's a, the labour force is going in two different directions. There's some working more and more 50-plus hours, many more people working part-time, and we are deliberately dismantling the weekend, moving to a seven-day economy. What about you, personally? I just, just ask, how, how do you go with the idea of actually rest and time off? I don't, I don't mean to make you feel guilty. I just think a lot of us, a lot of people that I talk to are, are tired all the time. And it might be for different reasons. You know, if you've got a young family and a bunch of little kids, you know, when was the last time you had a full night's sleep? Um, you know, that story about how did you sleep? I slept like a baby. You know what that means, don't you? Woke up every two hours crying. I don't know where that, that expression came from. So you can be tired for that reason or if you've got a big commute or a lot of pressure on at work, um, Technology now means works there 24-7, even when you're home. So what's the reaction to that? Well, some people say, well, that's just the way it is. You know, suck it up, princess, and move on. Uh, it's interesting how our, our creator, the God of the Bible, is concerned for us. The God of the Bible wants us to be able to rest I don't know if you've read much of the Bible. If you, if you read the Bible, kind of you work through from cover to cover. The theme of rest is, is there. It runs, runs through the Bible. And God wants us to be able to rest uh, physically and spiritually. The Bible talks about both, physical rest and spiritual rest. So what I'd like to do is just take you through, I can't cover the whole lot, of course, but give you a couple of snapshots of what the Bible says about physical rest and what might get in the way of that. 
And then a quick overview of what the Bible says about spiritual rest. So physical, spiritual. Uh, the idea of physical rest, the idea of resting in creation, uh, it's right back at the beginning. Genesis 1 and 2, the high point of creation is God. On the seventh day of creation, God rests and blesses that and says that creation, humanity should be able to rest, enjoy the good things he's made, enjoy time with him, um, enjoy time together. When you get to the, to the nation of Israel... Um, and about ooh, 1400 BC, something like that, uh, as Moses gives, or God through Moses, gives Israel the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment kind of puts into law for Israel the fact that there's a rest day each week. Let me show you uh, in the fourth commandment. God says to the nation of Israel, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. And Sabbath just means to, to rest or to cease. Uh, Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now I'd read that many times, but I'd never noticed something about it. Do you notice who it's written to? It's not written to the servants or the sons or daughters, certainly not written to the animals. It's, it's written to who? The boss. Because if the boss isn't on side, the servants, the sons, the daughters don't get to rest. He's saying... You're in charge, you make sure you rest and everyone who works for you, every life that you have influence on, gets to rest that one day a week. Why? Because it's the pattern that God, you see verses 11, verse 11, it's the pattern that God built into creation. Yeah, work six days, but be able to rest uh, and enjoy it. And it's the idea of enjoying the good things God's given you. Uh, in in uh, the life of Israel, there was a, a pattern of work and rest built in. So at the kind of at the micro level, there's daytime to work and nighttime to sleep. It's what we were meant to do: work and sleep. Um, there's one day in seven built in the Sabbath day each week. In fact, even in agriculture, one year in seven the fields were to lie fallow. So one year in seven they weren't to plant crops, and that meant that the farmers, uh, the animals, the land, everyone got a rest. God promised in the sixth year there would be enough to last two years uh, if they would trust him in how they uh, did their farming. Now, unfortunately, the story goes that as Israel, um, as time went on, Israel didn't um, keep the Sabbath. Why? Well, you know, there's 25% of profit to be made just on that day. It was commercial. As they, that's why they didn't do it. The first century uh, religious leaders then got to the point where they made the Sabbath so much of a burden and put so many extra rules on that God didn't make uh, that it was a misery for people. Uh, interesting how often you can do that. One is either completely ignore what God said and mess up life or take the good things that God said and then put a whole lot of extra human-made rules on them and make it a burden. Jesus didn't do either of those. Jesus said the Sabbath was important, but the Sabbath was made for people to enjoy. And then you see towards the end of the New Testament, the Christians began to meet on the first day of the week, uh, known as the Lord's Day, which is why we have uh, Sunday as a day off. 
They met together in their community to enjoy time with each other, to hear from God through his word, uh, to celebrate the goodness of God. And our weekly pattern uh, of a weekend, a Sunday, you know, a day off, a Sunday, and then for many of us a Saturday as well, that's actually flown out of, flowed out of a biblical worldview. Uh, so Christians have traditionally met on a Sunday as a time to meet together. But even if, you're, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, it's great to have you here, listening, thinking. Even if not, can you see what a good thing it is to have a day as a community when you can rest, when you can be together as friends, as family? It's kind of a, the reset button each week. It's good for people's physical health, mental health. It's good for us as a society. Uh, I was in, and I hadn't realised just how much we'd shifted on that. I was sent to Jerusalem as part of my job in 2007. I was in Jerusalem on a Saturday, their Sabbath or Shabbat. And it was really strange because everything stopped. There was no traffic on the road. The, just everything was quiet and calm. And I thought, actually, yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's like a, a reset button for the week as everyone went and started again the next day. So why can't we do that? Why are we busy dismantling that day? Um, we should be able to rest, shouldn't we? Did you know that study after study tells us we are the richest country in the world? So last year, uh, Credit Suisse, the financial company, did a survey. Um, was it, what did they call it, the World Wealth Report? In median income, that means, uh, I, had to, <laughs> I had to check what the, the median wealth was, that means there's as many people below the mark as people are above the mark, and in median wealth, uh, $219,000 US assets per person, uh, sorry, for the median person, we're the richest in the world. If you go to average wealth per person, we're second just behind Switzerland. As a nation, we are three times wealthier than the 1950s in real terms, three times wealthier. So why is it that we can't rest? The answer is, I love Australia, but you've got to say, we're just driven by greed. And greed is a belief that if I just have more, I'll be happier, life will be better. It's not wrong to be rich, but if that's what drives your life, it'll get messed up. You can see what the Apostle Paul says uh, as he writes his letter to Timothy. Uh, I'll show you. He says this, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Notice he doesn't say that money's evil. It's, it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. In every survey I've ever seen of Australian values... What's the most important thing to Australians? We say family and relationships. But we keep on doing things at a, at a national level, a society level, that work against family and relationships. We, just, we don't seem to be able to put it into practice. What's the alternative? Well, it seems kind of slightly quaint and naive almost. Uh, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
right? The alternative to greed is con- contentment. So uh, one of the things that gets in the way of rest is, is being driven by greed. Another one uh, is anxiety. Isn't it interesting that we're the richest country in the world and yet one in seven Australians suffer from anxiety, some kind of anxiety disorder? The richest country on earth and one in seven of us suffer from anxiety. Now, it's not all financially related, I know, but the whole financial things are a big part of it. If you look on your outline, you'll see some of the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, why do you worry about what you eat and drink and wear when God will provide for you? If you know God as your father, if you belong to Jesus, he'll... Look at verse 31. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. In other words, seek first knowing God and serving him and, all these, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, I'd put it to you that as a nation we're so often driven by either greed or anxiety is part of the reason that we just can't rest and actually enjoy the things that we have. Uh, greed and anxiety in one seem like opposites, but actually they're the same sides of the same coin. Greed says, I want more, so I'll keep working and can't rest. Anxiety says, what if I lose that or it's not enough? And so that drives us, drives us on. They both leave God out of the picture. There's other things that stop us resting too, like that feeling that if God's absent, then work so easily becomes the ultimate thing. Or I feel like I'm indispensable, so I can't rest. And I just ask you quietly, in our own personal lives, it is worth thinking about that, isn't it? I know there's peak times at work and there's times we've got to work hard and not. but it's just worth stop for our own men- mental health really to ask am I, am I actually being driven by greed or driven by anxiety because if those are the things that drive us on there's no end to it it doesn't actually ever there's no finish line physical rest and then just quickly to say in, in the Bible, the idea of being able to rest physically is also linked to the idea of spiritual rest. And so Jesus talks about meeting our spiritual needs, you know, the need for purpose, the need for forgiveness, the need to feel valued. And he talks about it in terms of giving spiritual rest. Look at these uh, words in Matthew chapter 11, beautiful words as he speaks to the crowds. He says this, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, Yoke is not a word we use very often. Uh, I think we've got a picture here. The yoke is just the crossbar put across um, the shoulders of the the ox or the cow that that pulls the cart or the plough. And it's the idea of that's how they push the cart forward. In the ancient world, that, that idea of a yoke was sometimes talked about as the idea of discipleship, of following a teacher. Uh, you kind of you were in the in the yoke. Now, what's Jesus saying is, he doesn't want to put heavy loads on people who follow him. What he wants is, he's light, he's gentle, he's humble. And what's he say? You see, um, 
verse 29, you'll find rest for your souls. What's he mean? You read the rest of the Gospels, rest from religious rituals and religious demands that never actually set us free. Um, Rest from trying to be good enough and constantly failing. Rest from conscience that condemns us. Ultimately, uh, in the New Testament, that rest is a picture of heaven, being, being able to be friends with God and to, and to rest in that. So to finish and then ask for your comments, thoughts, our failure to rest as a society um, isn't an accident. Because I think as a country, and I love this place, okay, but as a country we've lost sight of the value of the spiritual and we've lost sight of the eternal and we've lost sight of God. And when you lose that big picture, there's nothing left but having more and more and more stuff and that's what drives us on. And so I'd ask you personally, have you, have you found rest for your soul? Because when you do that, the idea of physical rest flows out of that. It's possible. Craig, I've taken a little bit too long, but we're all yours. That's fine, Al. You've done very well. We've got plenty of time for your comments and questions. As I said before, the way you can do that is to text me a comment or a question to that number. I've got my phone just here, ready and waiting. You could write down a question or a comment on the slip of white paper in your programs, like that. And when you're finished, hold it up. And I might, uh, might ask uh, Mark if you could collect those, pass them on to me. Or if you'd like to just put up your hand, I can bring the microphone over and you can ask a question from the floor. So a few things um, to get us thinking. Why do you think we work so hard? Do you agree with Al's analysis? Do you think there are other reasons? What's your experience of this? Do you think you're working too hard? Do you think it's affecting your family and your relationships? Do you think you rest too little? And what about this idea from the Bible of the Sabbath? Do you think that's a good idea? Does it still apply today? And what should we do on our rest day? They were the a few of the questions that I had in my mind. I'll just give you a moment to think of any questions or comments that you might have. Okay, so the first one is, so working six days, Monday to Saturday, is okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, don't th- sorry. I don't want you to take a day off because it's this great burden or law. You take a day off so that you can actually enjoy yourself, enjoy the good things in life, enjoy the people that you love. Um, rather than work all the time. I think that's the way we're wired up. Now, the biblical pattern is six days work, one day off. If you can get two days a week off, woohoo, okay, there's nothing wrong with an extra day. That's, uh, yeah, 
I'm more than happy for you to push these back. Okay. And, yep. Sure. Okay. Uh, question via the slip of paper. How do we apply the points from today's talk to anxiety about being secure enough in retirement? That is, a, that is a big one, isn't it? Uh, especially with pen, you know, the age, the pension age being pushed up. Uh, Bible, in, would, if, if you're going to follow Jesus, the Bible would encourage you in two different ways. One is to be realistic, disciplined, careful in terms of planning uh, financially and at the same time trust that God will care for us. And so those two things go together. Uh, Realistic in planning and trust that God will care for us. Um, most of the worry that we put in uh, is worry or anxiety is always future based. It's what might happen in the future. Suffering is what's happening now. So uh, God calls us to trust Him that if you follow Jesus, He will care for us and give us what we need. I don't know if I can say more than that. Oh, find yourself a good financial planner. I know, there's a few around. Okay. Um, Another one. Seems to me that the idea of work you've addressed is limited to an office or job, but how do you rest from the normal and hard work involved in running a busy household with three kids? Ah, yes. I've I've watched a superwoman uh, uh, be involved in raising four kids and uh, work incredibly. I, I think it's a matter of being disciplined, uh, of actually taking the time to rest. I think some mums actually uh, won't let themselves rest. I would also be a help to have a husband who's not useless. Um, so my wife's not here, so I can say that. Yeah, I just. But also, I think don't take it as a great burden. While your kids are small, you will be tired. It is just plain hard work, for, isn't it? Mark's just got is it one and number two on the way, and yeah. So don't, I mean, don't feel, don't add guilt to tiredness. But I, I think sometimes mums sacrifice themselves so much that they don't take the time that maybe they could. Okay. Okay. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, but I, I just think sometimes I've wanted to say to Kathy. The kids will not die if you don't do that. Just leave them and take some time off. And she's been reluctant to do that. Okay, we can cut that out before recording later on. I could have been more useful in helping her as well. Okay, I'll put that in. I I smashed a car up the other day, backed it into... Anyway, sorry. Okay. Uh, Two questions that are similar. Uh, What can... We, what can we do to reverse the trends? So, and another question goes on. In today's corporate culture, there's constant cost-cutting pressure, restructures. You know, you feel like you're caught up with it in the flood and you can't do much about it, particularly perhaps as someone who, who believes in Jesus and the, and the Bible. Is there something that we can do about it? Or, or are we just victims? Uh, yeah, that's why I try to... Uh to draw a difference between the way the way Australia's going and the way we as individuals live. There's some connection, but I, I don't know that we can... It's hard to kind of turn the, the big ship around. 
And I understand to be, to be in a job where there's a lot of pressure on you, especially in the short term, I don't want you to feel guilty about that. What I meant was, long term, in terms of years, it's worth looking at how is my life set up, what is the job that I am doing, and why is it that I have to work incredible hours? And if I was going to trust God, what would it look like to, if you like, replan my life so I could actually rest uh, and enjoy the good things God's given me? And that's where it's worth asking the hard questions to, am I being driven by greed, that I've set up the treadmill so much that now I can't get off it, or am I being driven by anxiety, or am I actually able to step back and say, well, I'll, I'll work and I'll rest and I'll try and trust God in all of that. I'm not saying don't feel guilty if you've got a lot on this week, but year by year, it's just not good for us to work all the time. And I'm trying to learn that for myself as well. So, so you're saying that we've still got choices? I could have, should have said that. That would be a lot quicker. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's, this, this is a comment of someone uh, about the Bible's pattern of working for six days and resting one. So Monday to Friday is for working in your paid job, commuting, etc. Uh, the Saturday is for doing all the cleaning, sport, ministry preparation commitments. It's a day of labour. And then Sunday is free for rest and for God. That was... Yeah, that's a good idea. Now, by the way, it doesn't, in terms of a day of rest to enjoy the good things God's given you, it doesn't have to be Sunday. So Romans chapter 14 says you can have, you follow your own conscience, you take the day that works for you. So Sunday's a work day for me, I, Saturday's my day off. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a good idea to have a day, you heard it, five, one, one. Good idea. Okay. Two half days? <laughs> <laughs> Two half. Well, I, I tell you what, this is, two half days, it's, it's interesting that if you, have, if you can arrange to have time off, a proper day off, uh, and the Hebrew way, the Old Testament way of thinking about a day was from evening to the following evening, that's why the Jewish Sabbath goes from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, if you're able to have a full 24 hours off, I reckon it's worth three or four half days. That full, the, a night and a day, like to, to wake up Saturday morning and think, oh, I mean, I've got the whole day off and then to, to kind of just have the day off and the night. And, is, anyway, that's why I reckon it, it's why God says have a day off. I don't think you can have a speed day off either. I don't think you can kind of go for, you know, have a quick hour off. It's not quite the same. Okay, uh, time's up. Just a final comment or summary of today's talk. Yeah, I, I, look, I've worked hard on this talk. Okay, yeah. uh, I, don't want, I don't want anyone to walk away feeling guilty. The idea is we've got a, a creator who's made us and he understands us and it's the idea that we need, we need to work and we need to be able to rest and enjoy that. And if life's got a bit out of control and you can't, can't find yourself ever resting... It's worth taking a step back and say, how can I reorder life so I can enjoy the good things that God's given? Um, yeah. Okay, and just two events that are upcoming that, you might, that might be of interest to you. There's a short course for the curious, if you're someone who'd like to check out the basics of the Bible's message in Jesus. Uh, that's on Wednesdays after work, and you'll see the flyer inside your program. You could contact us if you're interested in that. Or well, secondly, 
uh, was a, a special screening of the movie The Son of God. It was based, based on that recent TV uh, series, The Bible. There are limited tickets. There's a flyer inside your program about that. Uh, tickets are going fast. So if you're interested in going, I'd buy them quickly. Have a great afternoon and, yeah, don't work too hard. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.